Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to After the Catch. This is our Thursday episode um, that comes out on Thursdays after Tuesdays, which is when our first episode comes out, <laughs> uh, called Papa's Tackle Box. And I'm very excited. Uh, the long await has has finally come. And we just finished up a mini-series on Who is God, and now we are moving into Who is Jesus. So we get to talk about the greatest character in the greatest book of all time. Uh, Papa, how are you? I'm good. How about you tonight? You know, I'm great. Uh, I was I was feeling tired, but then <laughs> I just I stood up and walked around and got like a second wind. All right, good. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good, <laughs> but... Good. We're gonna try to keep this short. I know you got to get out of here because you got to be up early in the morning, um, so we won't go too long. But uh, so we're talking who is Jesus, and you talked Tuesday about prophecy and typology, which uh, really are connected. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, because it's. It's kind of through the the typologies that we see um, that we also see the fulfillment of yes. the prophecy uh, of Jesus coming from the Old Testament. Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, the the prophecy and 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 uh, typology is they're they're pictures. Uh, I think maybe that's what you said, or, or that they show us they're pictures of Christ. Before he came to earth, so now we have a a picture of the prophecy before he comes. So the prophecy is the foretelling of the coming of Christ, and then then the the typology is the pictures in the Old Testament that show us who Christ is in the New Testament. So uh, they're they're all pointing forward uh, to to the reality that they are real. Yeah. And so you brought up uh, Luke twenty four, uh, and the on the the two guys on the road to Emmaus. Yes, and I I love this whole story for a couple different reasons. Uh, but mostly you were kind of talking about uh, verse twenty seven, right? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself and all the scriptures. Um, what's so cool about this story? And just what I think is so cool about Jesus is Jesus is explaining to these guys uh, everything, right? Absolutely. Like every, every Old Testament prophecy that has come true about himself, and yet these guys still don't recognize him. That it, that, well, I think the Bible talked about that their, their vision was, uh, anyway— they, they, it was blurred. They could not recognize who he was. Right. And didn't even recognize his voice either. Right. Didn't recognize anything about him. And he's explaining all this stuff to them, and they still don't get it until they go into town and he has dinner with them and he breaks bread with them. Yep. Um, and then their eyes are opened. So I'm going to ask. It was through the breaking of the bread. Okay, so I wanted to ask you, what opened their eyes? Well, it says when they saw him break the bread, that their eyes were, or I would say they recognized who he was. 
Now, when he broke the bread, is it possible that that his hands went from 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 the top side to the bottom side, and could they have seen the nail prints? Uh, undoubtedly, on the road, he would not have showed them anything like that. Maybe they were covered, but usually, if you break bread, and how do you hand bread? You don't hand it with the hand. Right, you, you hand it palm hand, up. Palm up. So, you know, he had he had been with them, uh, but there again, he's been with his disciples for. Uh, for for you know a little over three years, and he's been through three Passovers with them. But I'm sure they had watched him break bread in other areas and everyday eating with him. But sometimes you know it, it. What what was the part that happened? I don't know. Except that I think when he broke the bread, they recognized something in the way he broke the bread. But also maybe in the passing of the bread is where hey there's and then he was gone. Yeah, I've I heard a. I've heard a couple great like sermons on, um, you know, when he breaks the bread and they see the nail prints and there's this big revelation and, and all this stuff. And it's the nail prints are the proof, a visible sign, a yes. visible sign of who he is. Uh, but the more that I've read this passage and thought about it, um, I think it was the sheer, just the sheer act of sharing a meal that that opened their eyes. Yeah. Um the reason I think that is because one I have a real I have a I have a heart for, you know, the Eucharist. Um and the power that is in you know the taking of of the okay. elements. Yes. And so I think you know me thinking about it that way makes the whole communion a much more powerful thing. Right. Because, you know, how blind are we sometimes until, you know, we're holding that that wafer and that little cup of grape juice represents him. And we have that internal moment of we're examining ourselves. Yeah. And I don't think sometimes maybe we don't do it off or we don't visually enough till we get to that moment and. Maybe that's why I don't like to do it every Sunday is because I think sometimes if we do it every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday, that maybe it loses something to it. And if we do it once a month or a quarter, that maybe there's something that, that and, and, and maybe not, because the, the Lord's Supper is certainly a wonderful thing. And and uh, and there is something about that, uh, that when you hold it in your hand, you know, you, you've got, it does make you think, and it makes you think about what he did, what he went through, but it also makes you think what he did for me, but then it makes us also think, uh, yeah, but am I really worthy right. to eat this? Right. I mean, I th- I think, you know, not doing, uh, the, the idea that doing communion every week uh, gets, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not really stale, but. Uh, repetitive to the point to where it's meaningless. Right. Um, th- this sounds mean. I think that's a, that's a hard issue with the people, uh, and I'm sure you would agree with me, but <laughs> yeah. you don't want to say it. I don't <laughs> yeah. because they're your people. Yeah, I get that. It is true, uh, but it's a hard issue with the people because I could. I mean, I could do communion every day, uh, and know. it affect me the same way. Yet, you know, today as it will, twenty years like from that. now. Like uh, the the power of 
not only the power of you know what what Eucharist means because it really is us joining ourselves um, with the death of Christ, right? Right, which is a a, a brutal and awful thing. Uh, you know, it also connects us with what the apostles went through. Absolutely, um, the most powerful thing that I ever heard was imagine, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, he's ascended, he's gone. You have these, you know, 12, 13 guys trying to start a church. Yeah. Right. Trying to start a movement, really. And, you know, they sit down every night and they break the bread and they drink the wine. Yep. And they enjoy each other's fellowship and reflect on the things of the Lord. Absolutely. And then the next day they get there and the person across the table is no longer there because he's been murdered for his belief. Absolutely. But they still sit down, they break the bread, they drink the wine. And, uh, yeah. It, it, t- to me, thinking about it that way just almost makes me want to cry because it's, it's such a powerful, well, it's a powerful bonding agent within the church. It was. Of bringing the people together. But also, in looking at it in the light, that's bringing in the community side. But the very last thing he does with them before he's uh, sentenced to death he celebrates with them and he breaks bread with them yeah and he and and he says this is a new covenant something new's coming out of this because they probably only celebrated this one time of year like this the breaking right. of the bread and the wine together as passover he says now i'm giving you something new and for them this is that this is their connection because this is the last thing he said to them you know that we ate a meal together now there's a new covenant now this is that connection and paul says as often you do this what are we doing we're doing this in remembrance of him yeah so they don't want to forget they're not going to forget him but the way that brings it back in for us would be like you know we lost a loved one. We'll talk about the good things, uh, you know, that, that memory that we have of them. This is the memory they have because can you imagine Peter? He, he, you're not going to wash my feet, but then he, right. then he does wash his feet, and he, he, he takes the bread and the wine, but now he goes out, and now he gets out there, and he denies Christ. And, you know, so for him when he does this, this is a moment that he's looking back, but he's looking at something past that because— even when he said, and tell Peter, tell right. Peter to come. So it is, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. When I do the Daniel fast, those 21 days, I will do communion at my home with my wife in the mornings, and we'll go for 21 days that we will do communion because uh, there's something about that. And, and I think the other thing is that makes it even more vivid for us because you mentioned about you know, him suffering, not just the disciples, but him suffering to start with. And Jesus said, I'm going to bring you a new covenant. They do the communion together, and then he suffers through the night. You know, when we watch the movie, and promoting it, but it's the most visible thing that we have was the passion of Christ. Yeah. 
you know, every time I watch that, it, it's hard to watch it because it's not about a movie anymore, but it's visibly being able to take the scripture now and turn it open. And when you read this, I can see what he looked like in my mind. And, and so the, here's the disciples that have sat down to a meal. They're eating, celebrating something to do one time of year. But it is incredible that as they did it, and the church was persecuted, and and, and you brought it up. Here we had communion last night, and now they're gone because they've died because of their faith in Christ. And so one of the things we're doing, okay, we're going to eat this knowing that possibly we might be next. Yeah. And But they did it as, and again, as Matt talked about community, the power of community, that community, I think this this communion is part of what held them together at this moment because he said, when you do it, you're doing it in remembrance of me. And, and because it is 2020 now, we weren't there in the very beginning of it. So when you mention that it becomes redundant, uh, the same old thing, oh, we're going to do communion, take a bread and drink the juice. And, and it is a hard issue, and, and I think that, that we forget sometimes uh, what he went through to provide the new covenant for us. Yeah. You know, I think the—I I say this lightheartedly. I don't want to sound anything by it, but, like, the, the Catholics are onto something with taking it every day. They, like, they have, they have a Mass— Every day. They do. Where communion you is taken. You can come taken. and take, participate in it. Yeah. I've been to a few Catholic masses, and from the ones I've been to, not all, you know, Catholic masses, but to the ones that I have experienced, um, it does feel like a very redundant thing. Right. It, it doesn't feel very genuine. Um, but it, it's also, it's because... From again, from the ones that I've experienced, I don't want to, you know, use it use the term broadly. Just from the ones I've experienced, you know, they get up and they they preach their their message, and then they just do communion, like they just do it. It's yeah. like this is what we do, so we're just going to do it. It's not a, um, you know, let's preach the message and then let's t- let's let's talk about communion let's talk about the eucharist let's explain what this is again right it's just here's a message okay now we do communion we pray and then we leave yeah no explanation right yeah there's no explanation it's just you just do it um so it does feel repetitive but i do think that uh if i don't know of one but i'm sure there's a church out there that's that's really doing it doing it right um you know, we and try. We try to. We don't just pass it on and say, "Hey, eat this." But we usually do try to say, "Hey, you know, there's something behind this. This right. is the reason that we're doing this today." And right. And that's pretty typical in most churches. I think so. Where, you know, where they are doing it once a month or just on Easter and Christmas, um, there is that explanation for it. Uh, the sad thing is, though. Communion is only taught when communion is done. Like, when was the last time you preached a message on what it means to do communion, uh, and it and it wasn't 
like an Easter or Christmas yeah, that's, or that's true or a you know um, it was just a, a regular middle of September Sunday. <laughs> now that's that's a good question. There, the last time that I actually took a whole service and uh, brought out bread was on a on a on the, on the Good Friday and a on a on an e- evening service. Mm-hmm. I took the whole time to talk about the whole significance of of the bread and uh and actually had a uh instead of the wafers and crackers we used bread and broke the bread and gave each person piece and we of had bread. real wine no you know <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> we you know we we uh we used the grape juice <laughs> yeah i've been to a couple uh non-denom churches that uh give you the option give you the option of wine or, yeah. or the grape juice yeah um but they dipped yeah, now I, which was it, a new experience for me. Um, I, I watched uh, one um, that I went to, but uh, we weren't allowed to partake of it because we were not of their their mm. uh, their faith. Yeah, and, and they did. They um, I, I've, I've watched them where they took the one cup and poured, and and then you know the the uh, the the father, the priest would uh, you know you you would drink out of the cup, and of course he would write he wiped the top of the cup every time everyone drank and and then I've also watched them take and, and instead of drinking out of the cup, I've watched them dip the bread yeah. in the cup and did it that way, and I've never did it that way. We did that uh once here uh Matt and I okay. did it uh I think it might have been the the Good Friday two years ago. Okay. Um, I know I've never... Because this Easter was kind of ruined yeah, by Corona. Yeah, but we didn't get to... I think it was two years ago because we had a couple people well, that's right. that got that got real nervous because they thought we were going to make everybody drink out of the same cup. Yes. Um, but we, we did but the you dip. Just, you just took your piece of bread. I remember that um, now because, yeah, that's right. This Easter we were not able to do anything on the Friday evening for, for yeah. that. Which I was I was disappointed because... I really loved the message I did two years ago. The uh, what's it called? I forget now. Is it an autobiographical message? Maybe that doesn't sound right. But I <laughs> preached a message as uh, a Bible character, so I was I was, uh, you know, taking uh, creative liberties okay. with uh, <laughs> a person in the Bible, and I actually did. Uh, the guy that helped Jesus carry his cross. Oh, um, yeah, I remember that now that you brought it up. Yes. Yeah, and so I preached the message as that character, and it was so fun because at the end of the, end of the message was when uh, Jesus, Jesus was dead, right? The, 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 you know, thunder went like crazy. The veil was tearing. Every you know there was earthquakes. Everything was going crazy, and he was dead. And then, bam! We turned the lights off, and then I walked off stage. <laughs> and then I remember we turned the lights back on. We brought up like exit music, because like we were done, and everybody's sitting there just looking around. They had no idea what to do. <laughs> and then you stand up and you go, "Well, they're finished. Have a good night." <laughs> <laughs> and then people just left. <laughs> yeah, because nobody was going to leave. Uh, uh, that was fun. 
Uh, let's go, Debbie. He's he's done. He's done left the stage. He has left the building. <laughs> and I really wanted to do it again this year with a different uh, Bible character. I wanted to do it from the uh, perspective of Peter because uh, that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, but that would, uh... didn't get the chance to, but it's okay. Yep. Um, what are we talking about? Prophecy. So the Luke, was that, Luke 24? We were over there. Yeah. And, um, and we started talking about Eucharist. Yep. Uh, which is so great. But, um, you know, an interesting thing about prophecy, and, and this was kind of one of the statistics I was telling you off the mic, and I'm going to try not to get it wrong, but it might be a little little skewed. Um, I wish Matt was here because he would, he would know it. Uh, but if you took a state the size of uh, Rhode Island, I believe, and you filled it with uh, pennies up to your knees, okay? So the whole state, the whole state. of Rhode Island yep. filled with pennies up to your knees. That's a lot of pennies. Absolutely. The, the odds that Jesus... Uh, or the odds that a, a person, right, in this case it's Jesus, could fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies in everything that would have to happen in order for it to happen the way it does yeah. would be you walking into the middle of that state filled with pennies and just picking out the right one. So you'd have one penny that's marked... Right. And and it's in, in, a, in a whole state worth of yeah. pennies that's like knee deep. And you go and, and you have that one penny. And you pick the first pick. Yep. That's the way this would be considered. Yeah, like that's like mathematically like I said, Impossible. I might be I might be a little wrong, but it's it's something to that effect. It's but an it obnoxious in, amount of impossible. Yes. Uh for it imp, to happen. Improbable. Improbable. Because it happened. That. It did happen. Um and that's actually why one of the a professor was uh, teaches that in um, an Old Testament. He's an Old Testament professor, so he teaches that. Uh, and that's actually one of the main reasons why he came to faith, because he was an agnostic okay. for the longest time. Um, but then after studying the Old Testament and what it would have to take for this one man, one man to fulfill everything everything it, it, basically he came to the conclusion of there has to be a god absolutely because otherwise this is mathematically impossible impossible um improbable but it's impossible because yeah. how how could you choose the one penny that's been marked how could you find that in this sea of them? And for I mean, Jesus even, to do everything. Even if you just had a jar with a thousand pennies in it. Right? Like, let's lower yeah. the number. A jar yeah. with a thousand pennies. Now, I understand the odds are one in a thousand. Yep. I know how math works. Yep. But <laughs> it's still so improbable for you to pick out that penny on, on the, the first, first try. try. Like just think of the, the 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 chances of you doing that, and it's one in a thousand, and then you multiply that by however many pennies it would it take to out there. you know. Um, but yeah, I think it's incredible the the prophecies that are presented in Scripture, and that all of them are fulfilled. 
Um, and he and he now he's struggling, suffering, right, hanging on a cross, and he's still having to make sure that in obedience to his father and the will of God, he's still thinking, okay, I've got to do all of these things. And not only is he thinking about the prophecies, he looks at his mother <laughs> yeah. and says, uh, John's going to be, that, that's your son. You, 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 son, take care of mom. You know? right. uh, he's looking out for that. He also says to the thief hanging on the cross, today you're going to be with me in paradise. It's incredible. And again, you know, because they bend your knees when they put you on the cross, in order to breathe, you have to push up. That's got to hurt with a nail through both, and 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 slump down like that, and you ha- and you can't. How not only that, the weight of just pulling on the uh, the flesh and the bones of your hands. Of course, they say you know that it basically it's not through the hand; it was through the wrist. Through the wrist, because yeah. there's nothing. To, that it's would through do. the wrist and it's through the ankle, and and so when they do that though, but still you're having to push up to relieve some pressure here, but you can't breathe, and uh, but he's making sure that he fulfills everything so that no one could come back and say, hey, he missed one. Yeah, that means the rest is null and void. Right. Even the um, uh, you know him giving up his giving up his own life right as part of that i had a i was talking with a, a a guy one time that was saying um that the romans killed jesus i was like no they didn't like i was thrown off by his statement cuz i was like cuz this man's like he goes to church all the time you know whatever and they're like he's like the romans killed jesus i'm like no they didn't and he's like yeah they came up and they they stabbed him and that's when he died. I was like, "No, he was dead before that." <laughs> and he was he was adamant he, that the Romans killed Jesus. Yeah, okay. So we're in the middle of school. This was back in high school. We're in the middle of school. I pull out a Bible. Mm-hmm. I flip to John, and I'm like, "Read it and tell me what that says." <laughs> and he re- you know he reads you know and he gave up his spirit and he slumped and he was dead and then they went around and they stabbed and he was like, "Oh, I guess I've just never read that." And I was, I was like, dude, you, you go to church all the time. You got to read the Bible. It, uh, well, it is amazing sometimes what we miss within, uh, if we get in a hurry, I think sometimes we miss some things. But uh, no, he, he said he, no man takes his life. He gives it up yeah. freely. So, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, him looking at his, at his mother. I heard a, this is not my words. This is the words of mark lowry um you know mark lowry Mm -hmm. the comedian hilarious but um he said if if anyone any the the greatest testament to jesus being god is mary's silence at the cross because and then he makes a joke you know because if it was my mother you know she'd be pitching a fit she'd be running around you know (laughs) I know he's crazy, but don't kill him. Like, right? Like, he's saying he's God. Yeah, he's just weird. That don't kill him. Um, but Mary didn't say anything. You know, she let the, it happen. In the very beginning, when the angel came and spoke to her and he told her these things, she put all those things in her heart and pon- pondered them in her heart, 
She kept them closed because the prophet told her that, you know, even a sword would, would come into the life. And, and so for her to visibly watch all this, it, at the moment he was born, she, I don't think she realized how brutal it was going to be. But she knew there was nothing she could do because she knew this is what he came and this is what his life was for for man to be redeemed and brought back into the fellowship with God. So that would be hard for a mother because a mother uh, a mother will stand up for their children. Uh, a mother will go to extremes to do whatever it takes. A mother would say, hey, take my life, not my child. Yeah. And uh, for her to sit there knowing, but she knew, but... Now the whole reality's coming to she really knows what she was told when he was born, how wonderful it was to have a child. But now she's seeing the reality, visibly seeing what's happened to him, what she was told was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I couldn't imagine, you know, being a mother. No. One, I couldn't imagine just being a mother. Because I'm I'm not female, but two, like I definitely couldn't imagine being a mother watching your son go through that, and you just you know you just sit, so you just stand there, and John is, I guess, is the only disciples there, yeah, by her, and what do you think he's going through? You know, he he doesn't understand it all, and all the other disciples they've ran. Uh, and it, and and it's it's understandable. Uh, they all were thinking, "Hey, he's going to overthrow this this government and the Roman Empire, and we'll be up here, and we will be somebody, and uh, we'll we'll be we'll help him rule, you know, this land." And and things didn't go the way it was. But it is amazing that after the that Jesus ascends to heaven and he tells them, go tarry for, you know, wait for 10 days till you receive the power. And it's amazing what happens to these men in this 10-day span while they're waiting and they turn the world upside down. Yeah. Gave their own life that, uh, you know, uh, what it was, Peter was crucified uh, upside down, uh, uh, one, as you said, one was tied between two horses and just literally pulled apart. And, yep. uh, you know, uh, they say some historians say that John was thrown in a boiling vat of oil and he was swimming in it. He, you know, and so they exiled him to a uh, the island because they couldn't kill him. And uh, <laughs> but it's amazing that these men may have turned and run when Jesus needed them the most. But boy, when they got endued with power from on high, they became they became stable, the foundation of the church, and they pulled it forward. Yeah, and Peter Peter was crucified upside down, upside down by Nero. Yeah, who was killing Christians, all Christians. He wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same position that his Lord was, and. Yeah, that that, you know, that's that's incredible. Um, You know, Peter really did love Jesus, not saying the others didn't, but really, Peter really did 
love Jesus, even though he failed him. Um, but, you know, to be crucified upside down, what torture. But for him, it was not torture. It was, uh, he, you know, he was willing to die. And, uh, and, and that's the way he died. Yeah, because I, I've also saw he was crucified upside down and set on fire. So it wasn't just one. It wasn't like he sat there and and suffered. Yeah. Um like he was hung and then burned. Which is a horrible way to go. Absolutely. Um actually though I hear burning to death isn't that bad. Because after like mm-hmm. a second all your nerve endings are done are are, are burned. burned off. So you don't feel nothing. Um, just that it, it's like us. If you get burned, it's that initial uh, when they, you know, if they take and use the um, or whatever they call that, where they burn at the end of a nerve or a blood vessel that's bleeding and they can just touch it. Like a, a cauterizer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. That was a term. It's just a second. And then it's, you know, it's a zip. <laughs> and yeah. then. Um, so let's talk about typologies. Okay. Um, cause I got a, I got a question on one of them. All right. Um, I'm not sure I can answer, but I'll try. And I think it was, maybe it's not a question as much as it is just a, a thought, but, um, d- did you say the tabernacle yeah, is a typology? I, I okay. Use, I used the, 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 the door to heaven yep. and the altar. We used all through there. We used everything about that. You had the door, the altar. You had the uh, the the laver where they used the the to wash okay. with. And not only was the laver the incense that the that the priest would use the incense burning, and and the Bible talks about that our prayers are the incense. So Jesus became the incense because he prayed for us. Uh, there was the veil. Uh, that was torn. I was taught also that Jesus, not only that, but his body being ripped and torn was a symbol of, of the veil. That that, but but literally we saw the veil, and then the ark, which was the mercy seat where the blood was poured on that that. Uh, that's where he said he laid his life down. No one actually took his life, so he laid his life down. And so if 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 Moses built uh, a, a replica of the tabernacle he built what was seen in heaven so we're we're understanding that jesus laid his blood on the mercy seat in heaven and but he laid his life down no one forced him to go in there and and i use those because uh in the old testament the the tabernacle was a tent uh, the dwelling place of god and then Jesus or John tells us that uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word dwelt means uh, uh, pitch a tent. So we understand that Jesus came. uh, He pitched a tent displaying God's glory. Because if you wanted to see God's glory, you had to go to the tabernacle in their day. Gotcha. So maybe my question is, is maybe it's, it's real simple. Why? did you use tabernacle instead of temple? Because I was using the tabernacle in the wilderness where they pitched a tent. That's what I was talking about. Okay, gotcha. So you were like just referencing Old Testament? Yeah. Okay. Because even though the temple was built earlier, which was a building in the Old Testament too, but the the initial tabernacle... What's the difference? 
Well, the temple was just a building that was built solid and had, you know, the tent was movable because they moved through the wilderness. And, and the only Okay, so the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was a solid place that was built. Was a solid place. temple. The temple was a solid Temple built. was solid. Tabernacle, tabernacle was Tabernacle was what was, was a movable place that wherever they moved to, it was taken down and then set back up. Okay, so there is a difference. I thought there was, but I just I could not remember it. Um, and so, but so even with that, the the temple still had the same th- though though uh, different. Um, you know, with your example of uh, you know, dwelt and and pin- pitching a tent. Um, you know, still definitely a typology. Uh, it, it simply by the fact that Jesus says, hey, I'm going to destroy this temple and rebuild it in three, in three days. days. And everybody's yep. like, well, you can't do that. But we know now Jesus is, is calling himself the temple. The temple. Um, so it is definitely a typology. And here's something interesting. Um, I think it's interesting. You might think it's crazy. <laughs> um, but I was reading through, um, well, the professor told me this too. I'm not gonna even say I'm this smart. I would have never, ma- I would have never made this connection. But in uh, the book of Mark, when Jesus uh, curses the fig tree, mm-hmm. okay, so he curses the fig tree, and then the way it's laid out in Mark is they're they're go- they're going into town. They see a fig tree, and Jesus curses it. No figs on it because there's no figs on it. And then they go into the temple, and Jesus, we like to say Jesus cleanses the temple, <laughs> but really, he goes in and, and destroys everything. Um, so what my professor is saying, and he was making this real interesting connection that I never thought of, um, but walking into Jerusalem, you have a fig tree, and you have a temple. Jesus curses the fig tree, then Jesus curses the temple. Right, and then after that, we see Jesus explaining what the fig tree cursing meant. Mm-hmm. And as they're leaving the temple, the disciples say, "Hey, that fig tree's dead." Yep, died it, up to the. And roof. then Jesus says, like right after that, um, you know, say to this mountain, "Be thou yonder, river. be be moved, and it'll be or be cast into the sea." See, yes, and it'll be removed. What whatever that verbiage is and so he's making the connection that you have a fig tree you have a temple you have a cursed fig tree you have a cursed temple then you have a dead fig tree and then he says you have a dead temple because when jesus is talking to his disciples say to this mountain be cast into the sea he's looking or he's coming from the temple which is on um, which was called the temple mount yes so it's on this mountain. So, and basically, Jesus is saying the temple is going to die because Jesus is here, right? Like, I'm going to die and be resurrected. The temple is going to be no more. And this new, uh, you know, Christian Christian thing is, is going to happen. And so, fig tree, temple, cursed fig tree, cursed temple, dead fig tree, dead temple and i would have never and and when you it's interesting now if you look back in history 
that you could say, well, look at the temple. <laughs> Where does it exist now? Uh, that temple, it doesn't. Right, it's I mean, not. It's, it's they, dead. They have their own synagogues now or temples, wherever they want to call it, synagogues. But well, when, when the, Jesus died in the veil tour, that was it. the temple was no more. That was it. So, and, and, and it's amazing. Yeah, I've never, well, I never had a professor teach us that way. So, but that is amazing because that part is dead. Now, just as he said that I'd tear the temple down in three days, it'll be raised up. That temple will be raised again too. Right. And the, and the very end during the tribulation period. So the Jews can come or the children of Israel can come back and began to do the things they had done previously that they have not been able to do. Yeah. And that's sacrificing and all of the things that come with the priest. And it's amazing that, you know, we can run our genealogies back so far. We had a lady working on our family tree. And uh, she had she had gone as far as we were kin to Daniel Boone. And uh, so don't know any further than that. But it is amazing that that the Jewish culture, uh, the Bible is one, for instance, because it takes the genealogy, as we talked about mm -hmm. Jesus, takes it all back all the way to Adam. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing that the Jewish culture knows who's in the tribe of Levi. Right. And, and these, the Jewish culture, they know exactly what tribe they come from today. Right. And and uh, we may not know things that are important like that, but the Jewish people do, and they know who would be the priest. They know all this stuff, and it's incredible that. Uh, but it is incredible that he cursed the fig tree. It died up at the root, right? And when they come back out, they saw it was dead. It was dead, dead. You know, and uh, and and they they marveled because they're just looking at man. This guy can just say to a fig tree, die, and it dies. And that's, that's why uh, Jesus was a master at telling parables or stories, explaining things. And so he was great at telling them, hey, but they didn't catch that. They're still thinking of the temple, but see, he's telling them about the temple. I am the temple. And, uh, but now we are the temple right. of the Holy Ghost. And so we've become the temple that he inhabits. And uh, Holy Ghost. That's a, a song. That's a that's a old that's an old school way of. Yes. People don't call him Holy no, Ghost anymore. No, I know it. That's from <laughs> way back in my upbringing. That's funny, um, but no, I, I mean, yeah. So you think that talking about the temple? Do you think that we are all temples? Right. So, like, like when Paul references your body as a temple. Do you think that, like, I'm a temple, you're a temple, everybody else is a temple, or is the church as one one body the temple? Or is it both? It can be both, that's I a, guess. That's a good question. Um, you know, I was taught that we one. I was taught that, that we're one body of Christ. So I was taught also that, you know, there is not Baptist, there is not Catholic, there is not Assembly of God, Church of God, Presbyterian. I was taught we're just one whole body of Christ. Yeah. And that and when when Paul was writing to us that that, uh, that your bot your body is a temple, you know, present your 
bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord that we are. But I still think he, that, that God doesn't look at us as individuals. I think he looks at us as one body, his body, okay. or the bride, um, not multiple. But I am individually a temple that houses so, so I have to be careful how I speak, right? Uh, what I say, how I act, uh, if I let my temper get away, or what uh, things that I do in public or private that people can see. And, and one of my prayers is always every morning, "Don't let me embarrass you today, God." That's the easiest way I know how to say it, in what I do or say or act. And so, I I, I am an individual, but I th- and how did he stay at that there there were individual stones. He's the cornerstone, right. but stones are built upon the stones. So I I do think that because if we are a temple, I think well. I don't want to say that people that don't have a relationship with God's not a temple because certainly something's there. But but I think when he says our body is the temple that, that I think maybe he's looking at and, and I'm not a theologian, so I don't I'm not sure. I mean, I'm just remembering what I was taught. We're all theologians. Well, we probably are because, you know. We give our, our our theology of things, but uh, in the scope of what I was taught, you know, hey, we are the body of Christ, individually parts, a nose, eye, things of that nature, but we all make up, but we make the whole body. So maybe that's a good way of looking at it, but yeah. maybe, maybe it's either or. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, because... What Paul's talking about when Paul says, you know, your body's a temple. I love when people use that about, like, smoking cigarettes or getting tattoos. Because that's not at all what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about uh, sexual immorality. Yeah. Um. So, I do think there is this aspect of your body is a temple. But I would almost understand that as not that your body is a temple... Like, it's not the same as kind of what you're talking about with, um, you know, the church body is the temple of the Holy Spirit or whatever. I think it's more like your body is a temple, so take care of it. Right? It's like when you walk into, you know, somewhere that's like not your house and you kick your shoes off and you sit up or whatever and, you know, they say like, hey, this ain't your house. Like, you know, act right. I think that's kind of what Paul's saying. Well, it, so they're they're slightly different. Yeah, I think. Well, because well, when it comes down to the individual side, yeah, do we need to take care of our bodies? Yeah, um, uh, sexual immorality has a lot more to do with it than just uh, uh, that. That that that's a whole issue in itself. Yeah, but. I do think that that um, as a temple, one of the things. So, so one of the things I'm having to do is, you know, I have to take some medication for cholesterol and and uh, a little bit of medicine because I'm on the good side of diabetes, but I still have to take some medicine for that. And I think that, and that one of that's probably because of the way I ate in my early days and um, and drank lots of Mountain Dew and not water. And, and so when we talk about our temple, I think that it is a, 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 a uh, I think it has to do, as you said, singly with us. 
And then I think, but I think so, uh, the, but the body itself, then, be, you know, I'm a part, I'm a part of the big picture, though, as a temple, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, I'm a stone that's put in there, and I make up the body, but I am an individual, and I am who I am with my own gifts and talents, skills, and things of that nature. But I think I have a responsibility to take care of my body, too. Right. And yeah, we definitely have a responsibility to take care of our bodies. It's, uh, you know, holistic living is kind of the, the term, you know? Yeah. Take care of yourself mentally, spiritually, and, and, and physically. Physically, You know, kind of those three things. Um, that's why, you know, so many... Pa- it's kind of... It's become this, like... I don't know, thing that I guess people don't like for whatever reason. But, you know, you're seeing all these pastors now that are, like, getting jacked. You know, like they're going to the gym all the time. And, you know, some people are, oh, well, that's just them trying to look better for camera. So they're more appealing to, you know, all these millions of people they're reaching so that they can get more money. Yada, Like, no, that's just them taking care of their body. It's them beginning to do something. Like, when that's them being healthy. You know, that would be the thing I would say to people that are younger is that you start thinking about when you get older that the things that you do to your body um, uh, certainly will affect you when you get older. So I broke lots of bones doing mm. uh, foolish things and stupid things and having fun. And uh, so now some of those bones that were bur- broke hurt every once in a while. Right. And, uh, you know... Uh, you know, I fell off a skateboard, and so my hand will not bend no more further than that. I was in my 30s, and I, I was skateboarding and fell off skateboard, broke my wrist. They and, can't see that because— No, I know but, they can't see it, but— <laughs> His it, wrist is only at about a 45-degree <laughs> angle so it will, instead of a, a full 90. It will not—so, you know— uh, so, you know, if I do a push-up, you know, mine's going to be this way because I can't— Oh, I, I, do, I, I do them knuckles anyway. I can't put my hand— It hurts up. my wrist to do them. And, um, and, flat. Uh, so I do know there there are things that, uh, you know, exercising when you're young is good for you, but it's also good for us older folks. Oh, it's great because of uh, uh, bone density. Yes. And and so, you know. Right. Most most older people decline quickly because their their bones get fragile. And, and by lifting weights, you you you, you strengthen your your bone density. Yeah, that's that. And you know, I've one of the things that I that I've noticed about preachers though is that most preachers that grow older, their minds are still sharp. One of the reasons is because they had to prepare so many sermons, write so many, and do so many things, and use their brain for a lot of things. I think that activity, it's when you retire and quit and give up. Mm. And, um, you know, um, so I think our responsibility is, you know, we we want God to heal us of everything, and certainly he can heal. That's not what I'm saying, but sometimes we've, we've did it to ourselves. you got to do your part. Yeah. Right? I mean— <laughs> That's a good way to put I mean, it. Like, this sounds, this sound, people are going to throw stones at me, but I'm just being real. God can't heal you of diabetes if you eat cake every night. 
<laughs> yeah, but we want him to. <laughs> we want him to, but it's probably not going to happen. Oh God, I'm taking my medicine now. Let it, let it drop it. But I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat more than one piece of cake. <laughs> like the uh, the prayers people pray before uh, dinner. Sometimes they crack me up because it's you know it's that typical prayer of like you know Lord thank you for this food. Um, you know we pray that it nourishes our body. But you're about to eat fried chicken, fried okra, fried green tomatoes. There ain't nothing nourishing when everything's deep fried. I'll eat the chicken <laughs> and the okra. You can have the fried tomatoes. Uh, I also love when people say, bless the hands that prepared it. We don't care about the whole body. Yeah, it's just, 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 just the hands. Bless the hands. Are, <laughs> you know, those are prayers that I think we heard so much in our life growing up. Sometimes we repeat them because we yeah. think about you know, bless the hands that prepared it, God. You know, they worked hard, and it, it, it. Whatever restaurant that's that's done it, or our family member or yep. friend brought it to us. But, uh, you know, I, the 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 body is is uniquely made, and uh, and and uh, and I think we do have our part in. That's one of the reasons that God in the Old Testament gave the children of Israel. A, a dietary law. Yeah. And then notice when Daniel said to the one that was over him, let me eat what I'm used to eating. And at the end of 10 days, see if I don't look in, that I'm not better, that I look, I look better, everything about him at the end of the 10 days. So uh, Daniel wasn't just one of them that just ate this for 10 days. He was able to stay with his the ones that were over him continued to let him eat the way he ate and 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 then i i do know that you know peter has this dream and he sees all the anything that i've made you can eat i understand that but i do understand that is you know there are things that some bodies we have to uh, maybe we need to watch what we eat yeah and how we eat it and uh, things of that nature yeah um I was at a funeral one time, and the the guy doing the funeral took took forever, like took way too like took way too long than what a funeral should be should be, and so afterwards we go to you know eat, and he kind of stands up there and he goes, you know, y'all have already been here a while, so you know let's pray, and I'm kind of thinking. Dude, this man's going to pray for, like, if he took that long for a funeral, his prayer is going to be forever long. <laughs> so I bow my head, and he goes, Lord, bless the meat, let's eat. That was the prayer. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm a fan of that. Bless the meat, let's eat. Bless the meat, and let's eat. Oh, how about that? Um, So you talked about genealogies. We can end it here. Um, okay. It's, it's starting to get pretty late. But I'm starting to get tired again. But um, so you mentioned both genealogies, right? The genealogy yeah. through Mary. Through that's Mary. in Matthew. Was in Luke. And then. Luke is, is where hers is at. and, and Okay, and so then Joseph's is in Matthew. Joseph's in Matthew through. Uh, uh, um, hers was through Nathan. and Yeah. And his was through. Uh, but it, it's funny because I've had conversations with people who, uh, you know, talk about. The, the the conversation of the inerrancy of scripture, which is a, a long, tedious conversation. But one of the points they bring up is the genealogies are different. And I'm like, well, yeah, dummy, 
because it's through two different people. Yep. Like one's through Mary and one's mm-hmm. through Joseph. They're going to be different. Mary and Joseph, they don't have the same dad and grand. Like there's not incest going on here. Right. Um, and they're like, oh, I never knew that. It's like, that's because you don't read it good enough. Well, they, yeah, that's, I think that's it. Sometimes I think people read the Bible, but they're not paying attention to yeah. how it's being done. And and that is the difference is that uh, uh, Matthew is writing from 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 the dad's point of view, yep. which Joseph is the the legal right. father, but not the biological father. And 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 if he would have been only linked, but the amazing part is is that both of these Mary and Joseph both lineage. Not from the same tree, but from from the outreach yeah. of, of 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 David's family, they're both connected to David, and uh, but because of uh, uh, Jeconiah, which was cursed by God, and that none of his descendants would be on the throne, and that's the one that Joseph came through right. was one of David's sons, but uh, uh, Mary comes from Nathan which was Solomon's brother, which did never make it to the throne, but he was a descendant of David. And, uh, and so it's from her side because uh, it's, it's, uh, 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 it, she was the one that gave birth to him. Yeah, and it's one, I can't remember which is which. Um, I should have looked it up before we started this, but one of the genealogy, um, connects Christ to Abraham because to fulfill the prophecy of, uh, you know, one of Abraham's mm-hmm. seeds. Yeah. Well, um, it comes, and then know. and then the other, like the focus is is connecting to Abraham, and then the other one, the focus is connecting to David, to fulfill both prophecies yeah. that he uh, is going to be a son of Abraham, um, and he's going to be, and he he has. He has the right to the throne, so he is a king because yeah. he comes through the line of David. Uh, Luke, Luke, uh, Luke is the one that the genealogy takes him all the way back to Abraham. In uh, in Luke, he talks about that uh, he takes it's traced back to Abraham. Okay, so that that's where that passage was found. Gotcha. I I think I I find that so interesting, especially in Matthew's genealogy. Where there's four women, right? Three or four. There, yeah, I'd have to go look uh, and see, but there, there women that are mentioned, and that that didn't happen in Jewish culture. No, women were not. Everything was patriarchy. Because the seed, you know, the, um, and and the women that were mentioned, uh, they weren't. One was one was a whore. One was a prostitute. Mm-hmm. They are a lady of the night. A lady of the evening. Um, yes. They they weren't. Your standout women, uh, Rahab certainly became uh, one of them. You know, she's the one that was a uh, a lady of the evening, as you said, or the night. And uh, but she's the one that hid the spies. Yeah, and she just said, "Would you remember my family when you come in and do what you're going to do?" Yeah, and so now here's this lineage that she is in the lineage that the seed is going to come through. Yep. One was Bathsheba, mm-hmm. who is, you know. <laughs> well, she 
she just kind of got caught between a rock and a hard place because you can't deny the king. No. Yeah, I don't blame Bathsheba at all. Uh, I think David was was way off on that one. You can't deny the king because you just can't. Yeah. (laughs) David took a man's wife and then tried to kill her husband and then Uh, lost the son, lost his first son. The first son that was born, the one that was born to them through. Yeah. Through that, they lost. and um, You know, it just shows not everybody's perfect. No. David, a man after God's own heart. We all mess up. <laughs> he, But it's still through David's lineage that we have that Jesus. We have Jesus. And um, even though David made some bad mistakes, um, he still, um, you know, he he just was a great character. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it uh, and his lineage, and so Jesus will sit on the throne for a thousand years during the millennium reign, and he will rule when Israel is back to their state of a state that God had promised them back to their former glory. Yep. Well, I guess that's a good way to end the podcast. I think so. Um, you got to be up early in the morning, so I'll let you get out of here and. Uh yeah, it's been a great time. It Thanks. has been, and we'll see <laughs> we'll see him again next Thursday for uh, after the catch. Thing. Yeah, we will. Uh, remember, you know, continue to follow us on our Instagram and our Facebook. Um, you can see everything we're doing that on our website legacycc.org. Uh, there's live prayer with Papa and uh, Granny. Every Wednesday night Wednesday at night, 7, seven o'clock. Um, on Facebook. So you can join us there, pop in and say hi. Um, again, we're here every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, just, you know, just trying to trying to reach people, connect with people, love people, share whatever little bit of knowledge and wisdom we have to hopefully uh, help you make it through another day and ultimately to help us all become better fishers of men absolutely um so we love you all thanks for listening and until next time peace out people